Good morning and welcome to today's episode of the Disruptive Voices of the Pacific. And I am so excited because I have one of my best friends. Well, we try not to have favourites, but she is one of my favourites. Become, she's become a good close friend, Liliana. You can say the rest of your name. <laughs> Trying to pronounce Fijian's last names are always beyond me. But thank you for being with us today. Thank you, Letitia. And my full name is Liliana Pareti Warid. See, I was going to say Warid first. Anyway, where are we sitting right now? Well, this is Yatu Lao Arcade, which is right opposite the bus stand, where I love to come and have a cup of tea. You love and 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 a cheese bun, and it's nice and cheap. We're surrounded by markets. You might hear some drilling in the background. Uh, stuff is happening around us, but I thank you for introducing me to this place as well. It's a good experience. So today we're discussing um, just the importance of our voice as women. I have noticed something as an outsider coming in that um, has shocked me actually because it's so different from my days at ACS where we were taught to speak and my class was so noisy and always spoke up but coming back and just been doing training with different managers even, different um, counsellors, like I'm training some top people in, um, in management but it's fascinating when you try to engage in conversation. Um, I don't know what it is, they don't speak up, they're afraid, they've got their heads down, um, they're ashamed of what they're going to say and then this weekend as we ran a girls camp, even the teenage girls, they were so quiet, <laughs> which is so different to Australian teenage girls. So explain this to me. Well, quite frankly, it's our culture. Really, that's, that's what, and I would use the word suppresses us, um, and sadly it overflows into the church as well, so we are not, I guess, generally not encouraged to speak up. If anything, it's like, you know, speak in a low tone even, and don't speak back when you're spoken to. So that's how we've been brought up, and I think a lot, maybe even more so for the women, because when we're in family settings, it's really the men who have the voice and the women that are in the kitchen. So I believe that's where it stems from, really. If we wind back, it is our culture. And so that's why it, you know, it's just ingrained in us. And so you will see it come out in the workplace, you will see it come out in conferences, and that's really how, we, how it presents itself through, the, through our women. So is this something that women grow up with from an early age? Just women, you, you don't have a voice? Does their opinion not matter? Um. Yeah, I would say yes. I mean, different families are different, but the majority, yes. And I think when you mentioned, you know, just being conscious of what other people think, I think that's also cultural because we are brought up, you know, always being compared to each other like how I clearly remember and I've spoken about this before on one of my shows but it's just um, you know see what so and so is doing and don't do like so you're always compared to someone so when you grow up and you're in a, a space where you have to hold your own it's really difficult because you know how do you come out of that always being told that you know just keep your voice down and you know don't speak above anyone and let the guy speak first and when there isn't like you're saying the girls camp there isn't even any men there and so it's really difficult for girls to work out, okay, what do I actually do in this situation? So what do you think the effect it has on a nation when the majority of women, now I know there's some exceptions like yourself, and we'll talk more about that, but it would seem like 
80% just are afraid to, to say anything. Um, what effect does that have on a nation? Yeah, I, my, I believe that at a high level, at a macro level, we're worse off because our women are not using their voice. It's very unbalanced. We have a lot of decisions that are made not only at, in government, but also in private companies and in boards. You'll see um, more men, I guess. And so that absolutely affects the decisions that are made, the policies that have implemented, because you don't have the lens of a woman there. Now, interestingly, in, at work, I spoke to a few women because I was wondering, why, how are these women at supervisory level? This is when early when I started, and I was wondering why they are not progressing to management board level. And a lot of them, actually every single one of them I spoke to, there were maybe five or eight, said that there's too much stress that comes with it. They have children to feed. They've got lunches to make. They've got, you know sick children to tend to and so I realized that because women are expected to work and still be the primary caregivers that just they just don't need the stress and so they just sit at that level as well and not even push themselves up. And of course in the church world um, there's a few exceptions which is great but the majority of churches are, are led by the men, the men are the leaders, they're doing communion, the offering, the preaching what message do you think this sends, particularly to our younger girls sitting there who may go to a school like ACS where we were taught we could lead? What, what impact is that having on them? And is, is it, Do they get confused over the mixed messages? Yeah, absolutely. So, and you're right. In ACS, we're taught that, you know, we need to leave the world better than we found it and then we need to stand up and speak. But when we come in, society doesn't accept that. Um, I have, I mean, and you would know this, there are a number of ACS old girls that you know, just continue, but even more of us have just come in line, if you like. And so when we see it in churches, that's in, because the church is, you know, a lot of the time, about, I reckon, has a lot of more power than government sometimes, because that's just, again, it's just ingrained in our culture. But that absolutely sends a message that the men know better, and the men maybe are even closer to God, and so we have to listen to them. And you've been tagging along with me um, heard all my talks endlessly uh, you could do them yourself now and you know that I'm passionate about talking about the women in the Bible who spoke up and you don't even though they were in a patriarchal society uh, they were I love the woman at the well who went back and told her whole village about Jesus uh, the woman who announced the resurrection of Jesus the Miriam who was announcing the defeat of the enemy and singing and leading the way and and again, throughout the Bible, we see examples of women who did preach and um, were apostles and led churches. So does the Fijian church just forget about those scriptures or they don't want to preach them because we want to keep the women in their cultural place? Oh, I don't know the answer to that. I really don't. And I just, I feel like, because I also grew up in a Methodist church and we don't hear those stories. I really don't know why the, the preachers don't preach it. Um, but I guess when, you, when we, I was just thinking about, you know, the woman at the well and all of these other women, the big difference is that they've just been touched by Jesus. And I think one of the key things that we don't do well in our church is point individuals to Jesus, encourage them to have their own personal relationships. Because once you do that, it really doesn't, I mean, once you have that, it really doesn't matter what 
is told at the pulpit, you know, once you've touched, Jesus has touched you and you have that relationship with him, he just takes you, you know, where you need to go and you're really set free from all of this. So, yeah, I don't know why they don't say it, but I feel like, I really feel like we're not preaching the right things, if that's okay to say. Well, you know I've said it, (laughs) probably making a few pastors mad. Um, But it is important not just to preach these things, but then to allow women the opportunity. Um, And I'm thankful that there are churches and the Methodist church is really looking for more women leaders. Um, But they're actually struggling to find them. And I think that's just because women are still caught in this mindset of, can we? (laughs) How do we? Uh, And they're afraid to speak in front of men too. Um, It's one thing to lead the women's group, but having to preach on a Sunday in front of men is another thing. So look, you are, um, you're well known in Fiji, you've got your own show, online show, which is very successful and you're doing a brilliant job there. You're running in the next election, so you're quite an outspoken woman. You've uh, talked about some controversial things too, you're not afraid to address issues. So how did you turn out different? Um, okay, I, I think before we get to Jesus and being set free, because it goes back to when I was younger. And I wasn't born here, so I was born in the UK. My dad was in the British Army, and we came to Fiji when I was seven. But as I look back and I look, you know, even at my family and the people around me, I now realize just how much of an impact that had, because I grew up in a system that, education system, that encouraged us to speak up. And you know, when you speak about the young girls in Australia, I think a lot of that too has to do with the education system. You know, what are your questions? And, and I see my kids who were fortunate enough to go to private school here had the same teaching. You have to ask questions. And so that was part of life for me. And being there, we didn't, we weren't in the society, you know. So my dad was also very hands-on. My dad also encouraged me to speak. He always asked me, what do you want to do? He let me do ballet. He let me do tap dancing, anything I wanted to do. So I felt like I had a voice. I could speak. My mom used to sometimes, yeah, get out the wooden spoon when I used to use my voice a bit too much around her and speak back to her. So of course, parameters were put in place. But something changed when we came to Fiji. And when I I sometimes do little talks on public speaking where I'm invited. And so I've had an opportunity to think about how I have come to this place. And I realized when we came to Fiji, things changed drastically. So I went from being, you know, extremely outspoken to kind of like shushed all the time. And so whenever I'd say something, you know, my, my now my grandmother would, you know, just say, just snap at me or you know it was really confusing for a young child I can remember like feeling quite hurt sometimes like why are they shushing me like what's wrong and then my dad was with the men most of the time and so I didn't have him around a lot and so it was a very different dynamic and for a seven-year-old I guess that's still part of formative years I remember just feeling really confused and you know this these are my people and I'm Fijian but I don't feel like they're my people so there's that displacement kind of thing going on and so anyway I grew up under that and that then I went to ACS and I think in ACS we're like that because we're just you know the society is outside the gates and we're all together and so it's safe and we're just you know dreaming up all these wonderful things we're going to do in the world but then we come out 
And then now we come out as teenagers, and then it's the same thing all over again. And so I had, a, again, I had a really difficult time as a teenager coming back out. I kind of lost my way a bit. Um, you know, I got married really early. I got pregnant. I didn't finish my education. It's just really, really messy. But then as I, when I finally went back to school, I got a job. Um, and then I went back into the working space. Then I, I was really fortunate to join an organization that um, values everyone's voice. So they're an Australian bank. And so, you know, they, Australia is quite progressive. And so when something is implemented in Australia, like the policies all go around. So it's a lot about the gender balance and all of this. So even though I grew up you know, came, coming to a society where I was shushed, in the home though, I still, f I, in the home, I still felt like I had a voice, in the home. And I was the eldest of three boys. Um, and so my brothers always kind of looked at me as the eldest. So in relation to men, I really didn't feel that I was less than as much as some other women. Now, when I went to ANZ, I was, nominated to chair this Banking on Women program. And I really didn't want to. I really, honestly, at that time, I didn't understand feminism. I didn't understand why women were so, you know, like fighting for rights. I didn't, I really didn't. Um, <clears throat> and I was surprised that they nominated me and I really didn't want to. I was like, oh, I don't want to be doing this. But when I went in there and I realized that most of the other women did not feel the same way I did because when I went into work I was like right what's the next level yes I can be a manager what do I need to do I'm gonna do this so I had that mindset of like whatever I still had it in my brain like what my dad tell, told me when I was younger that whatever you want to do and be you can and so I think deep down that always stayed with me and so when I spoke to other women and then I it really shocked me like I would have been almost 30 and it made me quite sad. And it's, I mean, it's, it seems a bit silly now that I didn't notice it happening around me. But it wasn't until I got in there and people saying, oh, but how'd you do this? And I said, well, just, just do it. Just apply and go for it. Oh, I don't feel like I'm this. I'm done. And I just thought, oh, my goodness. And then I realized that I had the opportunity to just get alongside other women. And, you know, it's, there's a big job because it's like the, we're talking about all the women of Fiji. But in my own little space, like if I can just get alongside one or two women... Um, coaching, role modeling, and I guess from then that kind of started this, you know, I almost feel like I have a responsibility because I have grown up a little bit different. Um, I do know better. And then a little bit further along in my journey, then I came back to Jesus. And that just like broke any other chain that was there and hold me back. So right now it's, it's not about me and what I'm comfortable with. It's really about what Jesus wants to do. And I really believe, just like you, that he wants to set his daughters free. And, you know, I love the way you talk about it and being representative of, of God's image. Because here we're very one-sided and we're only showing the masculine part of God. And God has both parts to his image. So we're really not doing right by him. So now, like, with that fueled with my faith, that's what really drives me today. Yeah, no, that's powerful. So I know women because we're women uh, as well and we all have thoughts and ideas and dreams and stuff we'd like to do and speak out. I'm sure there's so many women just sitting there with things in their heart but maybe just feel, or maybe they've just succumbed to the fact that this is our culture and there's no other way. But um, particularly to younger women who, um, who see you 
um, as a role model and like, man, I wish I could speak more. How would you encourage them to progress, um, especially when it requires <laughs> stepping out of their family culture um, and really breaking down some barriers? People might, might, might not agree with what they're doing, but how would you encourage them? Um, so first I'll say it's going to be very, very difficult to do without Jesus. Absolutely. Because you need to you need to be attached to something that is greater than everything else. And that, like for me, Jesus has really been what gives me courage. You know, when you read stories in the Bible, he was pushed away. I was just reading John this morning and how when he started to do all these great things, I mean, disciples left him and the rabbis and the teachers came at him. Like that's when he really started to go down the path of, you know, to the cross when he started to do all these wonderful things. So when I see that, I know, okay, this is expected. I think that's one thing to keep in mind is that expect that you're gonna get pushed back and the moment you get pushed back, you know that you're on track. So it should encourage you. And you're like, right, I'm doing something here that's disturbing the work of the devil. So I need to keep on going. Now, I know some young girls might not have access to good role models. I think one thing that we are really fortunate to have nowadays is the internet. And I know every young girl would have access to internet somewhere. There is so much online. And so what I actually do, I still do this. So I think the most recent masterclass I did was last year. Well, because even I need help. Like, I don't think I'm the perfect public speaker. And then when you want to get your message across, especially in this kind of environment, you need to be, we all need to be very conscious of, well, first of all, the context. And I don't want to come off as being someone that is disrespectful. You know, we still, yes, we're saying something that's right, but keeping in mind that also our men have been brought up like this anyway. And so they will push back because they believe that that's the right way. And so... We have to be really creative in the way we bring this about, and some it requires a lot of humility. But in order to learn that, I go online and I learn from other people. And we can search in anything. You can search in, you can search like how to speak publicly when you don't, when they, you have so much fear. There's so many people, so many people to learn from. So I believe a first step, if you cannot reach out to someone who is role modeling, um, go online and start somewhere and just do one little thing at a time. Don't try and go and, you know, say a big speech to everybody. But I always encourage people to just look around you. You might have a circle of friends, even those who have siblings, just start by practicing them. Because in order to communicate too, you need to be concise and succinct. Your thoughts need to be in order. Communication is a lot more than just opening your mouth and speaking. So it has to do a lot too about the state of your heart. Um, so I would advise people to go online right now and check. And then you can always message me on the page. I always say that. Like, and I'm not frightened. I'm not afraid that 500 people will message me at once because sadly that never happens. But if it does, we will find a way and I can help people from there. Yeah, and I, I mean, I've been thinking too, it would be great to find some pathways for how we can train and equip women so they... Especially there are ones who would love to become pastors, but, you know, um, the thought of going to Bible college doesn't always thrill them. But how can we equip women so when the time does come and the culture changes and they're given more opportunities, they're prepared and ready. This is really important. My advice would be as well to go and study the Bible because that gives me huge strength in understanding that God has given us a voice, that we have been made in his image 
uh, and you look at all the women who spoke and what they said and how it changed um, their lives and the lives of those around them. So understanding that, and unfortunately it doesn't get taught in um, our churches a lot of it, but there's some great resources. A great author, Carolyn Custis James, she's just brilliant. Uh, another Australian theologian, Marg Moskow, she's another really good one. And so they really help us understand what God is really saying around these scriptures and, and that really helps us to stand strong. Well, time's almost gone. Any last final advice for um, women out there? Yes. So one thing I have to say to us women is that we, we are going to have to be a lot braver and more courageous because when you take even this first step is hard. And so even going and looking online is hard. Even, you know, for some mothers, finding time to open your Bible is hard. And so don't expect it to be easy. If we are going to really make a change, if we're going to make this better for the, our daughters, our nieces, our granddaughters, those coming after us, we are going to have to just do, be courageous. And so I think I'm saying this because a lot of people get excited when I speak and I do talks. And then when I follow up a month later, they still haven't done anything. And it's kind of like, oh, this is hard. And oh, so-and-so said this. It is going to be hard. But if we really want change, no one else is going to do it for us. So please expect that. Expect to get pushed back. And let's just be courageous and brave and take the first step. Do you get nervous when you speak? All the time. <laughs> I really do. My hands get sweaty. My, I get butterflies in my stomach. There's two things that have helped me. So one, I have really learned to understand that I'm a vessel. I will prepare as much as I can and then I'm like, Lord, you are gonna take the rest from here. I'm ready, but only you allow anything to come out. And so it becomes about me and God first before me and the audience. So that has helped me significantly. The other thing is, is that I changed the narrative of nerves. So I tell myself, as soon as I feel my butterflies coming and like my head goes oh my gosh I'm nervous I'm nervous I quickly say to myself oh you're so excited because apparently they're the same feelings of excitement so those two things alone really help me before I get up and speak. You've also on your show really successfully brought in a lot of different particularly women to share their stories um, and quite often they're sharing for the first time they're nervous do you have to have it all together to share your story and be well trained or is there a place of just being open and vulnerable and a little bit messy I think that's the best time because there will never be a time in our life when we have it all together and that's I just really want to dispel that myth right away even though we might look like it, a lot of people have said, you look like you have it together. It's like, if you could get into my head, you know, there's stuff that's going on with my kids, my husband, my mom, and then, you know, stuff like you say, I'm in politics now. So stuff happening with, you know, other parties and my own party, there's so much going on. And that's just so powerful because this is the journey we're all on in life. So the realer, the more messy the better because that's how people will relate to us and you know it's just I just think it's more powerful don't wait for you to get all okay because that'll never happen and then you put so much pressure on yourself you're like okay I need to be okay and then okay I feel I'm okay now and then you speak and then a few months later something else happens and then you're not okay and then you feel like a fraud so forget all of that because we're never going to be perfectly okay until we all get to heaven so let's just, it's really about getting alongside each other on this journey. You know, where you are at, I'm sure a hundred other women are at. So let's just 
be vulnerable and let's journey alongside each other together. That's so good. Uh, and just as I end, this is not a message about women's power and exalting our voices and putting the men down at all. Um, this nation will do better if it has the male and the female voice speaking together, uplifting each other, but making way for each other because we both release something different, especially around the heart of Jesus. We both see things differently, especially around the heart of Jesus, and so we need both voices. So for the sake of the future of the country, our sons and our daughters, women, we want to encourage you to speak up. Easily I see your suffering I see the pain beneath that bull of smile Come out from hiding The sun is rising Let the islands hear reason. Let